Oilers Daily with Jason Mertidis. It is a day three of the hockey hiatus edition of Flyers Daily. And welcome to your Saturday, March 14th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertidis. It is day three without the NHL. It is day three pretty much without sports in general. And uh, I'd love to say we're counting down the days until the return of the NHL and hockey. But we just don't know when that will be at this point. So we got a lot to get into on Flyers Daily here. Uh, I have a statement I want to read first and foremost from the Philadelphia Flyers that they put out on their Twitter page. Also have uh, some news I want to report from Frank Saravalli about the NHL league office. They had some things they had to say. And then also we'll get to a bunch of Twitter questions as well. Now the Philadelphia Flyers did tweet out from their official Twitter account at NHL Flyers. Here's what it says to, uh, to the fans. It says, some things are bigger than hockey, and while we miss the game already, it's our responsibility to be community teammates first. So while we wait to get back into the action, let's take this chance to serve others. Call your mom and dad, your grandparents, or anyone in your life who might need an extra hand. After all, this is the city of brotherly love. This city is also tough, the toughest. We'll get through this, and before you know it, we'll be back together on Broad Street. Until then, wash your hands and sign the Philadelphia Flyers. So nice sentiment there uh, from the Flyers organization and a lot of people recognizing that this is not about hockey right now. It is not about the NBA. It's not about the Masters being postponed or NASCAR or anything else or the NCAA tournament in March Madness. It's about doing the right thing for this country and for the citizens of this country, self-quarantining or whatever you want to call it, flattening the curve um, it needs to be done because situations in other countries are clearly dire, and we hope it does not get to that here in the United States of America and in Canada or wherever you listen from. So we want everybody, and our thoughts and prayers are with everybody, to stay safe, wash your hands, do the right things, try and limit the amount of interaction you have with people, and when you do, uh, take the necessary precautions. Uh, meanwhile, Frank Saravalli uh, of TSN uh, tweeted this NHL memo sent today to teams and players And he says, the first thing stressed is adhering to self-quarantine period. And it says, quote, it should allow us to be in the best position possible to assess next steps regarding the potential resumption of play. Following, quote, self-quarantine period, the NHL is hopeful to be in a position to transition first to reopen team facilities for players to work on conditioning, then a training camp period for players to work on conditioning and and practices are scheduled and game preparation can resume. Players are also asked to self-quarantine in-home, avoid travel. Players rehabbing injury can continue to use the team facilities if necessary, but alternative methods are encouraged, including the use of FaceTime or webinars with the training staff. Team facilities are generally not to be made available, and players are encouraged to work out at home, not in a public gym, or exercise outdoors while maintaining six feet of distance from others. Players are also asked not to organize informal skates at public arenas because sufficient time to resume skating and game preparation will be given. And lastly, NHL players will continue to receive their paycheck as scheduled. There were three more pay periods remaining this season at the time of the NHL decided to hit the pause button. So a couple things there. First and foremost, uh, the self-quarantining of players. That's the first thing that kind of stuck out to me. And I know the NHL, because they share a lot of buildings with NBA teams, and there was NBA players now, uh, plural, 
that were tested positive for the coronavirus, they are asking their players to self-quarantine for the couple of weeks or uh, to make sure that they don't have it, that it doesn't develop in their bodies if they have contracted it and they're not showing symptoms yet. So they are asking everybody to self-quarantine and to take the necessary precautions in that regard. And then the other thing that struck me here is that um, they will have, uh, obviously, time to, to get back out on the ice. They're not to ask to uh, not do the informal skates at public arenas because sufficient time to resume skating and game preparation will be given. And they mentioned a, sort of a, a training camp period here as well, which probably be a couple days, three days, and uh, practices will be scheduled and game preparation uh, can resume after that. But the training camp period sounds awfully similar to maybe the same language they used uh, back in the lockout shortened season. Uh, when they played a 48-game schedule. So uh, news out of the NHL, and we'll see where this goes, how it develops, and uh, how this timeline will change. Uh, Will it lengthen? Will it shorten? We're not even sure how long it is right now. So a lot of things to consider here for the NHL and and, and all these sports leagues dealing with uh, what's going on right now with the coronavirus and this pandemic. Uh, Let's get to the Twitter questions. Anthony tweets in, Spunky41182 and says, is it me or does it seem like the only optimistic league about returning to play is the NHL? Well, I don't know. I I haven't really seen enough from the NBA where it didn't seem like they were optimistic. I think everybody's just taking necessary precautions. And I don't know that the NHL is optimistic. I just know that they have a lot of contingencies in place um, for all levels of how long this goes. So um, if that's optimism, then I guess maybe you're right. But to me, it's just being preparedness. Uh, Yam Cork tweets in and says, how bad do you think the pause will be for the team and their momentum? Uh, Now the team being the Flyers. Um, Everybody's in the same boat. So that's the one thing that you have to consider. Every team in the NHL is in the same boat. They're all going to come back at the same time, uh, likely have the equal number of practices and the same preparation to try to get back in shape. You know, some teams are some teams are dealing with injuries more than others. And, you know, this period of pause gives those teams and players a chance to, to get healthy to get ready to get back on the ice whenever things do resume. Um, so I, I think it's it's an even playing field to where it was at the beginning of the year or where it was at any point in this season uh, for every team. They're all getting treated with the same rules. Josh Hoffman tweets in. He says, what about player contracts expiring on July 1st? If they choose to eventually continue the season, but it goes past 7-1, what happens to the impending free agents? Do their contracts get extended until the season is over, or do they not play? Uh, I guess they just push everything back. Yeah, th- that's what I would assume, Josh. You know, this is uncharted territory. The NHL has not dealt with this. But I imagine what they'll do is they will set, along with the NHLPA, a new league year calendar, uh, which will stretch to whenever the season ends, whenever they deem that the last game of the Stanley Cup final could be. And then a couple days after that, that's when player contracts would would expire and free agency would open up and preparations for the NHL draft would be uh, that week as well. Uh, Jared tweets in and says, how would you like the NHL to handle the rest of this season? Should they finish the regular season or should they go to the current standings and go into the playoffs as is? Well, that's a hard question to answer, too, because we just don't know how much longer this is going to be. If we can make the assumption that it's just 30 days, then if it's 30 days, I say you finish the regular season and you go full-blown playoffs. If it's more than that, if it's six weeks or eight weeks or 10 weeks, um, maybe you get everybody to 70 games or 72 games, and or you go points percentage, winning percentage uh, to determine that. And if you do that, if you go winning percentage to determine the playoff field, I think what they have to do is they have to expand the playoff field beyond just the eight teams. So you would have your six teams in each conference that would make it as the top three seeds. One, two, and three in the Metro, the Atlantic, the Pacific, and the Central would all get in. 
But then the, the two teams that are deemed wildcard teams by winning percentage would face off against the two teams that are the ninth and 10th seed. So the wildcard number one would take on the 10th seed in a best of three, say. And and the reward for being in that position of wildcard one maybe is they get home ice for uh, two, at least two, maybe all three of those games. And then wildcard two would take on uh, the ninth-ranked team at the conference. Uh, that, that'd be a way I would be fine with that because this is a, an extenuating circumstance. You know, I, I, don't, I would actually be fine with them doing that once Seattle comes in and you have 32 teams. It would create a lot of excitement, more teams in the mix to get to that play-in series. I know it minimizes the regular season a tad, but I think it's exciting and anything that can add excitement into the game. Plus, it'll give those teams that the top three in each conference, it'll give them a little bit of a break heading into the playoffs um, while those teams battle it out in the, the play-in rounds, if you will. Uh, let's hit, check in with Colin Flynn. He says, I feel like the Flyers roster isn't quite yet optimized for AV system. What changes could you see them making before next year? You don't have to name names, just bigger picture. Uh, I feel like the the roster actually is very AV. I think that Chuck Fletcher, when he brought Elaine Vigneault in, um, they had a plan, and they targeted Kevin Hayes because he knew he needed a big center as his uh, his two C, which is why they brought him in, and they they needed help on uh, the PK as well. And I think the addition of Phil Myers and Travis Sanheim and how they have risen to the number two pair is perfect for Elaine Vigneault. I look at the the youth with Morgan Frost and Joel Farabee. Uh, Farabee's played a lot this year. Frost has played a, a little bit, but I, I think what they have coming is perfect for his pressure system and uh, flying up and down the ice and creating chances while still being defensively responsible and being able to uh, being able to you know have a decent amount of shot suppression and and good D and good defense out there. Guys like Matt Niskanen, now he's not going to be here forever. He's thirty three years old, but I I don't agree with your initial point that the roster is is uh, the talent on the roster is not optimized for AV system. Uh, Justin Stein says, I know health is the biggest issue, but with this break and we can resume games, hopefully, can we get keep the intensity up like they did during that nine-game win streak? Justin, it's kind of like the same question from before. Everybody's going to be in the same boat. Um, this is a very well-coached team and I think a very focused team. They got a good amount of maturity in that locker room with guys like Claude Giroux, great leader, Jake Voracek, and you know, the, the, Matt Niskanen and, and Justin Braun and Kevin Hayes is part of that leadership group now as well and Sean Couturier, but they also have a nice nice uh, sprinkle of youth in there as well to, to, to lighten things up and keep it exciting and, you know, the way that the younger players tend to play. So uh, I don't think that's going to be an issue. Uh, time will tell. Uh, we will see. It will affect some teams in the league. I just don't know if the Flyers are one of them. So it's a kind of an unknown question. So sorry to give you kind of a waffling answer. Nate Dog says, I'm surprised I don't hear more about Michelle Terrian and Mike Yo. Can you talk about their involvement with the team and what they've brought to the organization? Thanks. Um, it's a great question. And you're right. There hasn't been a lot talked about those two guys because you have an alpha coach in Elaine Vigneault and a guy who's front and center and a guy who holds everybody accountable. Uh, from uh, you know the trainers and the doctors to the players and, and and his fellow coaches, everybody's held to a same high level of accountability. So yeah, Elaine Vigneault is going to be the guy on the marquee. Uh, but what Michelle Terrian has done and what uh, Mike Yo have done, they, they've created sort of a, a a super coaching system. You know, they were all head coaches. They've all had six, pretty good success as head coaches um, that are in a secondary role now to Elaine Vigneault. But they all know their jobs, and it's not, 
you know, like they're a head coach in waiting. Everybody knows their role and they know their position in the franchise. And I think it's been a tremendous, I, I was a little unsure how that would work out having three head coaches as part of the staff, but it's worked out great. And, uh, you know, the areas of the power play, it's been a little up and down at times this year, but that's improved. And obviously the pen- penalty kill is vastly improved. Tommy Watkins says, uh, how do you think the time off will affect the locker room chemistry and the chemistry on the ice? Well, the chemistry on the ice um, will be something that just comes back as as it will for every team. As they start to get back into the rhythm, those things will come back. But as I said, every team is going to be under the same you know, constraints and, and restrictions until they get back on the ice. So that'll be uh, evened out with every team. But how will it affect the locker room chemistry is an interesting part to your question. The chemistry, I will tell you, in the locker room this year is tremendous. And a lot of that is the addition of Kevin Hayes. He is a larger-than-life personality, as we all know. When he's in a room, you know he is in the room. Um, so I don't see any of that changing. I think it's going to be you know, a, a relief that they're all back together. And I think the part, too, is you, know, you get a little reset here, a little mental reset before you go on and try and do something special. And I think this team has learned to this point in the season – with through 69 games that they have a chance to do something special because they have a tremendously deep roster. They have good high end players. They have good role players. They have depth scoring. They have good defense. They have some veteran defense and they have some young D and they have, some, they have really good goaltending with two guys. And in particular, Carter Hart. So I think that chemistry, they just pick up and, and they're excited to be back. Eric Caulfield tweets in and says, what do you think the most, who do you think the most underrated player is this season? And who do you think our most underrated prospect is? Okay, I'll give you a good. For the underrated player, I'm going to give you three guys, but I'll pick one because I'm not going to just take the easy way out. Uh, the candidates for underrated player, uh, for me, Robert Hag. I think he's been pretty good. Robert Hag, rather. Uh, he's got 13 points on the season. He's a plus 14. He's kind of got the whipping boy of the fans sometimes. I think that he has had a good season. Uh, I think Tyler Pitlick in that acquisition of Tyler Pitlick by Chuck, Chuck Fletcher was a good one. He's got eight goals, 12 assists, 20 points, but I just think he brings a ton of, a ton of energy every shift, and he bangs and he knows his job. And not only that, but he's picked up some, some pretty big goals, and he also is good on the PK. And then the other guy, and the one I'll pick, is Scott Lawton. Uh, he's played less games, 49 games this season. He's got 13 goals, 14 assists, 27 points in 49 games. He's a plus 13. He's moved up and down the lineup, top six. He's played in the middle. He's played on the wing, bottom six. He's done it all, and he has been a huge lightning rod for this team of energy and fun and everything that goes along with it. So Scott Lawton would be my pick as the, the most underrated player this season. As far as prospect goes, um, Igor Zamula would be the guy. Uh, he's injured right now, uh, but I was talking with um, one of the guys on the uh, – uh, the, the the staff for the Flyers coaching staff, one of the development guys, and just said this guy is unbelievable. I've seen him play a little bit, not a lot, but I think people are going to be pretty uh, pretty excited about Igor Zamula. Uh, let's go to uh, Bill says, with the layoff, are you concerned about skaters' fitness suffering as well as goalies' rhythm and timing being off? The boys were rolling pre-shutdown, and while the layoff is good and to get healthy, I worry about the time off. Well, yeah, every team's going to be worried about that, Bill. It's kind of the same point I've made in several different instances and different questions. But, yeah, the fitness is going to take a little time. It takes a little time to get back. I mean, you're hoping the players aren't sitting at home eating bonbons and watching Netflix, uh, but, you know, that they're still going to work out. But you can't simulate playing hockey. You can only do so much off the ice, but they'll get it back pretty quick. These are elite athletes, so I don't worry about that. As far as the goalie's rhythm, uh, I'm sure Carter Hart is doing uh, concentration grids at home. If you don't know what that is, Google it. It's, it's interesting. He's an elite mental performer at concentration grids, and I'm sure he's doing a lot of things to keep his focus and his stretching routines and all of that. So um, 
I, I think they'll be ready to go. And, and like I said, every team is going to be in the same exact boat. Uh, Scott Keogh answer, asked an interesting question. He says, can you recommend any old Flyers games playoff series from before 2010 to watch to get my Flyers fix? Well, watch uh, the entire playoff series in 1987. Uh, you can watch the one in 1985 is a great one as well. 2000, what was it, 2003, when the Flyers took the Tampa Bay Lightning to a Game 7 and Keith Primo was just outrageous, is another great one. That was a conference final where they lost and Tampa went on to beat Calgary to win the Cup. Those are some ones off the top of my head. 97's a good one, even though the Flyers got swept in the finals by Detroit, who went on to win uh, two in a row there. Um, the, the series against Pittsburgh. Um, and then obviously, you know, the five overtime classic against Pittsburgh. It's another great one when Keith Primo finally scored at uh, 2.34 a.m. Uh, last question. Kurt says, do you think they will have preseason games when they reopen? Now, there'll be a training camp, but I don't think that they'll have preseason games. I think any game they play is going to count in the standings or it'll be playoffs. Everybody, thanks for listening to Flyers Daily. We'll bring you another one tomorrow. No hockey doesn't mean no Flyers Daily. I'd love to say my old phrase to uh, to end these episodes, but we will enjoy hockey soon. I need you tonight Cause I'm not sleeping There's something about you, girl That makes me sweat